Hey everyone, welcome to the Revivals Family Podcast, where we discuss what God's doing on college campuses and the need for prayer, family, and revival. everyone. Thank you for being with us for this week's Revival is Family podcast. With us, we have Sally Good, we have Ty Lam, we have Daniel Grenz, and this is Carol. And we're just excited that you're here listening for this week. Today, we want to talk about just a really pertinent and relevant um, idea for the current climate we're in. And it's this idea of praying for our leaders praying those in office. Um, we bring this up out of 1 Timothy 2. I'm just going to read a little bit. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. So just around that topic of praying for those in authority, obviously that includes praying for our president, praying for whom I get elected, and that comes with just hardship. What if you don't like or agree with the president? What if you didn't vote for him? Do you still pray for him? So I just wanted to invite these ones and just to share and process and give insight to what this verse means, First Timothy 2. Wow. Thanks, Carol. Yeah, I, I, I've been pondering First Timothy 1, chapter 2. Um, <clears throat> if I can read just the next segment after that, verse 3, it says, This is good and is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, who is the testimony given at the proper time. I was just pondering this verse this morning, knowing that we were going to podcast, and I was just thinking, it, it's so easy to selectively pray for the people that we want. Mm-hmm. We we have our friends, the people that we love, people that we care about. We want to see them like step into the promises of God, blessing, um, pray against bad weather for weddings. <laughs> uh, we have a friend who's getting married today, and, and the weather is not nice outside. Um, but... Oftentimes we're not praying for people that we don't like or people that we don't enjoy. Or and um, and I was reading this verse and, and just thinking, it's we oftentimes with politics we just treat political leaders in a different category. Like politics is kind of that third rail, you know, the third rail of the the train. You don't touch it because it will shock you, electrify you. And I think oftentimes we treat politics kind of in this category, and we look at political leaders not as people but kind of as either people who are for us with us or Mm -hmm. against us and are resisting us and and we oftentimes don't want to pray for people we don't like right yeah and and then i think you throw into the mix people that we interpret their their words their actions their policies is actually being against us yes and i'm thinking about the context of this instruction that paul's giving to timothy and at the time timothy's in ephesus And so, if you remember back in the book of Acts 19 and 20, Paul's in Ephesus, and there's this whole uprising around the issue of people are coming to Jesus, they're burning their sorcery books, they're getting rid of their idols, and it's actually a big hit on the silversmith industry because of Diana, their goddess. 
um, and and to the point where the whole city's in chaos and wants to take out Paul and those that follow Jesus. And so Paul leaves town, but he sends Timothy back to encourage the believers. And in that place, he's like, now I want you to pray for those very ones that were seeking to destroy us and, and seeking to wipe out the message of Jesus in the city. And, and so it's, it is this measure of we don't like the person, but then it's also this dynamic where a lot of times we feel so personally attacked by people's policies and the way yeah. that they choose to lead. Yeah. It's so interesting because like Paul's explanation to Timothy as to why you do it is that we may lead peaceful and quiet lives, godly and dignified in every way. I mean, it's a very unusual reason to pray. Paul's saying, offer supplications, prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving be made for all people, um, but specifically for kings and all who are in high position, that we would have peaceful, quiet lives, godly and dignified in every way. I mean, that doesn't motivate me to want to pray for leaders I don't <laughs> like, honestly. you know. Um, I mean, the, the next part about praying for their salvation, I get that. I want to pray for salvation of those that are not believers, that it's easy to look at someone who you disagree with and realize they, they don't know Jesus, they're not Christians, Lord, save them. Yeah. I mean, to, to be very just specific, you know, we were in China for years praying for President Xi Jinping, and, and in some ways, it's easier to pray for him as a man who is atheist, has, you know, doesn't know God, praying for his salvation, praying for his family's salvation to the current president, uh, you know, we, we, we have the election in front of us, but Donald Trump, a professed Christian, it, it's harder for some Christians to pray for this man mm. because they see his actions, they hear his rhetoric. And, and like you're saying, in some ways, it's easier to just go to that salvation piece. Yeah. We were with a student this week, and and she was sharing how hard it is for her to pray for Trump. She doesn't like him, um, but but she just really felt convicted mm -hmm. that the Lord would have her pray, and that she would get a heart to pray for our president, even though she doesn't really always agree with him or even like him. Yeah. I wonder, like, the big question is just why does it matter is the lord after changing our heart is you know like i wonder why first timothy 2 exists is it to change our heart to be on the same page as who's in authority i'd just be curious to hear your guys's thoughts what do you think the lord was thinking it's a really interesting question I think going back to Daniel setting the context about Ephesus and the economic system being threatened because another ruler, meaning the person of Christ in the midst of the people, was now being kind of instituted in that place. And so it, it, it brought about this sense of, okay, the economy and all the ways and structures that used to serve another God are now being demolished because Yahweh, God and Messiah are now being worshipped in a city. And I think what's interesting with just the economy of the way that God sets things up is that He really is after the heart of the people and He sets up, He invites, I think, a a conversation with him that is about both producing something 
in us as we talk to him, as well as releasing his ways on the earth in the midst of that conversation. But that gives the reason as to why why this. I think he sets up an economy of hierarchy, honestly, which is deeply confronting to our hearts because when we give over our lives to another ruler, even though that ruler be the ruler of the heart, that actually deeply affects the way that we relate to people and to play and to people of authority. And he's saying, I know you don't perhaps agree with this person, but I'm asking you to step outside of your personal preference, agree with my heart, and then come into alignment with what I think. Wow. I think that's how he sets up um, relationship between God and man. It becomes his leadership over our own preference. Yeah. And that's what's confronting. Yeah. As I think about what you're saying, Sally, I think it's so interesting how I think in the Lord's leadership, he doesn't always put leaders over us that we like. Right. I think sometimes in his, in his kindness, he allows us to have leaders over us that are hard, like right. a Saul or like a ruler or a king that that really is creating pressures in our lives, like a Nebuchadnezzar right. who's creating a lot of pain and angst. Um, but that in that the Lord's after things. Yeah. And yeah. and I you know, I think about the, the whole peaceful and the quiet life element. You know, it's very unusual. I, I think right now we're not in a time of peaceful and quiet. You know, there's a lot of animosity between parties. There's a lot of people who feel very transgressed, violated, they're concerned for their rights, and, and they're taking things really personal. They're looking at what's happening in Washington, D.C., and in capitals and government and, and leaders, and they're feeling like, gosh, these people are after my economy, my ability to have a livelihood. They're after my ability to gather and worship. And I think for us as believers, like how, how do we look at this moment and how do we both, you know, engage and pray for the ones that, that we really support and the ones that we really don't? And I, and I think tying that in with what Sally was saying is that at the end of the day, it's it's not primarily about the leaders. It's not primarily about us. Mm-hmm. It's primarily about Jesus. It's it's about yeah. his jealousy for his name to be lifted up, for his Amen. person to be seen through us as his representatives. Um, and, and as you were talking about that phrase, so that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, I, I'm linking it to at the beginning, because a lot of times for those of us and those of you listening who have heard this verse spoken of before, we hit the prayer side of it. But Paul actually says in verse one, he says, I urge you to make thanksgiving for wow. these leaders. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's it's one thing to pray because we can still kind of remain in that posture of I'm praying like almost against, but I'm praying because it's almost a rebuke towards who you are. But when we begin giving thanks for these leaders, yeah, like it does something in our heart where we can, you have to choose between giving thanks or holding offense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if, if you're choosing to give thanks, it releases an offense so that your your inner man is quieted, but so that you can then proceed to bless and, and desire the best of God for that person. Yeah. Wow. I think of too, when you say that, like, I wonder, we don't know, right? But I we can speculate, did the Israelites, did the Jewish people pray for Nebuchadnezzar because you know he did have a 
a turning of heart. He did change. And I think the verses like this and stories like Nebuchadnezzar and Cyrus even, it, it, it gets us thinking like, what role did intercession and thanksgiving and prayer have in all of that? And could we never know until the other side of eternity, but could our prayers have helped shape what happened with yeah, Nebuchadnezzar? So good. I really appreciate what you're saying, Daniel, in the reality that oftentimes, you know, we're praying our prayers so that things would change, which is a legitimate that's a legitimate reason why we pray is we're praying so that the Lord would intervene. But I think just a real part of it is how the Lord would change us. And I think Thanksgiving is so underrated. You know, we, we, we think we want radical, we want zeal, wholehearted, but we just forget just the power of just gratitude and, and just how the Thanksgiving actually changes our ability to see them. You know, we don't see them as someone that is either uh, for us or against us, but all of a sudden we see them through the lens of honor and through heaven's eyes that that the Father desires, both Barack Obama and Donald Trump and Chuck Schumer, Mitch McConnell, Nancy thank you. Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi. I mean, across the board, the Lord desires for each of them. And I, I remember just watching the Amy Coney Barrett hearings, and there was this moment where Diane Feinstein just, just in tenderness paused and said, Amy, I just want to honor you and your family, and your children are beautiful. And there's this real tender moment. And I'm like, Lord, thank you for Diane. And it just kind of shifted my heart. And I'm like, you know, because I'm from California, I've, I grew up knowing Diane as a senator. And it just, it just humanized Diane that she's yeah. not just someone who enacts policy, yeah. but she's someone that the Lord desires. And and my heart was was quieted amidst you know the yeah. various emotions. I mean, the thought that number one, this person is made in God's image. When we give thanks for the person and we recognize and honor that they were made in God's image, it number one allows us to reach for them in our heart in a new way. But number two, it's actually one of the ways we love Jesus. You know, like I'm thinking Romans 13, and this verse is so challenging because of, it's always challenging, but then you think of the context, you know, under the reign of Nero, who's destroying believers and, and just a, a, a madman trying to kill as many Christians as he can, Paul says, be in subjection to the governing leaders because they've been put in place by God. Yeah, It's like, wow, what a statement to make. And it's challenging th- no matter where you're living. But uh, I think for us to recognize one of the ways that we love Jesus is by reaching for those made in his image who he's placed in positions of leadership and government over us. I'm just pondering on that. How crazy to think that even Jesus, when he walked the earth, he was subjected to evil kings. Yeah, wow. You know? Like, I think when this verse was written, and for centuries before and centuries to come, there will be those in leadership who are going to persecute you. And Jesus walked under just such a season where they were out to kill him. So it's just fascinating that I think as we talk about this, this verse unpacks more. Like, wow, Lord, you have such wisdom. It's not just pray for them, bless them. You know, there is such power in, I think, in our own hearts, what it does in our own hearts, what it does for the person you pray for, but also the, the, it really is walking like Jesus to be able to bless those who persecute you. 
I just wanted to share a funny analogy, which I think kind of paints the picture of the way that we trust in the Lord um, and submit to even his process in raising up maybe people we don't agree with. Just thinking about, I used to really have a fear of flying in the sky. And I think that fear shifted when I realized I'm not putting my trust in the pilot. I'm putting my trust in God who keeps the plane in the air. And I think I like that little analogy. It's very simplistic, but it speaks a little bit to this dynamic that we're walking in in life where, you know, the Lord has designed us to relate to Him. But then as we see through the story of Scripture, all the way back to the beginning, people wanted a king because other nations had a king. So God's greatest hope is that He would lead from the midst of His people, like with us. You know, we look at the end of the story and that's where we're headed, God in the midst of His people. But in the meantime, He actually places humans, imperfect humans just like us, that He allows to lead us. I think it's a great invitation for us to be reminded that we're trusting in Him, in His leadership to even appoint people we don't quite understand. And even in that process of interacting with Him in the place of prayer really does, um, I think, realign the correct order of things. That it's not us putting our trust in a pilot to keep a plane in the air. It's us putting our trust in the Lord that's put the pilot there with the skills that keeps the plane in the air. Yes. Does that make sense? And that ultimately our hope is not in an in an elected official. Right. You know, our hope is in the Lord that he would bring forth his purposes. <clears throat> because yeah. it, it, it's sure easy to, you know, vote for the person that, that really we think is going to further our agenda, our mm-hmm. needs. Um, and, and really, that if this person gets elected, then, then it will make our life better. But ultimately, our hope is is in the Lord and what he can do and wants to do through those that are in elected office. Yeah, and, and I think it introduces the tension with <clears throat> that that battle to keep our trust in God while recognizing that He's given us an, an authority through prayer to shift things around us in the culture, in in in, in yes. the legal, uh, in the the laws of the land, the government of the land. Um, and, and I think Paul hits on that a little bit in this verse where he th- there's this inner dimension of a, a peaceful and quiet life, but there's also this dimension of pray for the leaders so that you can be who you're called to be as the church. Yeah. You know, I, I think we're really for one of the first times in our nation's history wrestling over the possibility of will we get to continue gathering? Will we be able to continue worshiping and singing even in places? And and I think some of that is contained in this pray for the leaders that they would have both wisdom from God that they'd have righteousness in their hearts so that we can continue exalting Jesus in our midst. Yeah. Yeah, I think about Proverbs 21. The king's heart is, verse 1, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it wherever he will. I think that there are times where there's leaders that are already in place, and how do we in our hearts posture our prayers for them as well as really our thanksgiving and 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 laboring in the place of prayer that the lord would have his way even amidst unrighteous leaders you know i think about luke 18 the verse i mean it's a story about 
an unjust judge and a, a widow who's asking for legitimate need. And because the guy is not a good leader, I mean, he is unwilling to give her mercy. Um, but but the Lord Jesus compares this unjust judge to the Father's leadership, that even an unjust judge doesn't, like, because of the righteous widow's persistence, like, things do change. And, and, and how the fathers are so much more that, that justice would come forth. And I think it's a great picture for us as believers, even in a time where we're not seeing change and we're seeing kind of really hard things, that we would persist in the coming Knowing that the Father is the one that that directs the hearts of every man, granted we have to yield and be willing. But the Lord, He can shape and direct hearts, and I mean our ability to to really, you know, know righteousness is because the Father is intervening, and 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 we're yielding. That's so good, you guys. This has been so helpful, and I would love just if you guys could share. Practically, like we know the idea, okay, pray for your leaders. Okay, Lord, I bless so and so. But do you guys have anything more to expound on to help those listening, even for us to grow? And how do we pray for those in authority? Yeah, such a great question, Carol. I think for me, I'm like not only new to this country, but I'm just new to understanding. She's Aussie. I'm Aussie. If you can't tell. And so for me, and like for many of you, I am going to figure out the names of the people that are in different places of leadership. So firstly, think about, you know, your mayor and your governor of your city, Mm -hmm. your university president, the names of church leaders, um, those in government nationally, the Supreme Court, House of Reps, make a list of those people and actually speak their names before Jesus. And one thought is to almost make a rotation. So do some research, Mm -hmm. get a Google Doc or something, and then have a little alarm on your phone and say, today's local government day. Look at your phone. I rely a lot on my phone and alarms. So good. And there'll be names on my phone and I can say, Father, I bring before you my governor. I bring before you my uh, university president Mm -hmm. or whatever. So that's what I would do. I think when you start speaking someone's name, there's something about that. You heart begins to grow in love for that right, person. Totally. So. I would say even take it one step further. We live in an age where for a lot of these people, they're on Wikipedia. And for me, just reading a little bit about their personal life humanizes them. Oh, they're not an enemy. This is a real person. They have a real family. This was their upbringing. Have kids. You know? And yeah. it really just starts to paint a picture of who this is and who they are before the Lord. So good. Yesterday at a prayer meeting, we were praying for, for the Senate, and uh, it was so good for my heart just to, to pause and intentionally pray for ones that have just views and perspectives that are different than mine. And I agree with you. I mean, just even looking up their picture was helpful mm-hmm. for me, just yeah. seeing them. And I just think there's something, you think when Jesus speaks about pray for your enemies, I don't think enemies always means that it's like the guy with a gun pointed at you, right. but it's just ones that in our heart, we don't have the heart of blessing towards them. Ones that I've just been praying for recently were just ones that have very different views that are kind of contrary to my own and, and contending for them as I would a friend. Yeah, those are such good ideas. And and I think in as you're listening to this, it's probably the day before or the day of or maybe even after the election. But um, for those that are praying for the election, I, I would encourage you in two things. Number one, just asking God what his will is, because it says numerous times in scripture, one of which is Daniel 2, 
It says that it's God that changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. And, and so asking God, Lord, who are these ones that you want to put in place? I think that prophetic insight is, is valuable. Um, but in the midst of it, to then ask him, God, raise up those who will walk in righteousness, who will walk in wisdom and understanding according to your purposes. Um, and, and really see the place that your prayers have to hemming people in to the path of righteousness. Um, and, and so I would encourage you practically to, to be praying for righteousness over the, the positions that are going to be voted on, as well as then once those people are in office, as you're going through the list, as you're looking at the names, as you're getting connected even to the families of these ones, asking that God's hand would be upon them for wisdom, for righteousness, for blessing, um, and, and really believing that through this form of prayer and intercession, that we release a, a, another kind of government, a higher government that can rest upon the government of our land so that God's presence can come for us. That's good. To close, can we do this, guys? Can we just take a few minutes and do the very thing we've podcasted? Let's do the podcast. Can we just pray for those in authority? Love that phrase. Do Let's the podcast. Do the podcast. <laughs> so, Father, we come before you. We just ask for your insight, your heart, God. We just say that your ways are higher. And God, we want to grow in our love for the people you've set in authority, even those that are different, even those that may seem like they oppose us. Father, we bless our president. We bless Donald Trump today. We bless um, Vice President Joe Biden. And we ask that you would shine the light of your face upon them and their family, that your will would go forth in their lives. God, we bless Kamal Harris. We bless Mike Pence. God, come and touch these officials that you've put. Yeah, Father, we thank you that you've been so faithful. God, that you have shown so much favor to this nation, Lord, to the government and, and to the different systems and branches of this land. And, and Lord, as we've been doing, God, we continue to cry out for mercy. And Lord, we ask you that you would have mercy on our nation, God, during this election season. God, that you would tear down the walls of hostility, the walls of division, the walls that would seek to tear us apart at the very seams of who we are, both in the church and in the nation at large. And we ask, God, that this would be a, a moment, a season, God, where through ones that you would put into office, that our nation would find mercy and find healing. Lord, we ask you to raise up righteous leaders God, in every level of government, God, from the, the position of president and the ex executive level throughout the Senate and the House, God, even down to the governor positions, the mayor positions, the city council positions that will be filled in the coming days, Lord. We ask that your hand would be upon this nation, God, that you would have mercy and that you'd awaken and send revival to America. 
Father, we come before you today in the name of your son, Jesus, and we speak the names of leaders in our city of Kansas City. I bring before you Quinton Lucas, the mayor of Kansas City, and Mike Parsons, the governor of Missouri. Father, we bless them and we say strength and grace be upon your lives as you make difficult decisions, as you face difficult um, situations. Father, we're asking, would you give them grace and peace in this time in Jesus' name. Yes. Father, we lift up to you our nation in this time, Lord. Father, we remember the justices of the Supreme Court, John Roberts, Clarence Thomas, Stephen Breyer, Samuel Alito, Sonia Sotomayor, Elena Kagan, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you would lead them even as they have cases coming up related to um, voting and ballots and the coming elections, Lord. We're asking, Father, that, that you would direct their hearts, that they would have just the fear of the Lord as they're wrestling over jurisprudence and legal issues and um, constitutionality. I'm asking, Father, that you would help them, Lord, that they would um, truly be independent Voices that are um, from the place of, of, of interpreting the law, that they would be able to, to stand for righteous judgment. Father, we ask for your help for them. Father, just even amidst all the pressure in the coming days related to the upcoming election, Lord, that, that you would be in the midst of, um, of this court, Lord. And we're asking, Lord, that you would that they would be united, and um, and that you would direct their hearts as you direct the hearts of kings, Lord. And we cry out for mercy for our nation, Lord. Just even in the days leading up to this election, we're asking, Father, across our nation, that believers would arise and bless your name and bless our leaders. That you would help us, Lord, to to make prayer and supplication for these ones in in high leadership, God. That you would give them grace to pray that that we would be ones that would remember those that you've put in leadership and ones that you will put in leadership, God. And we're asking, Father, that, that you would have your way. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done here in our nation, in our government, God, in Washington, D.C., in our state capitals, God, in our cities, on our university campuses, God. Establish leaders, God, righteous ones after your own heart. Mm-hmm. In Jesus' name. Amen. That's so good. Something we just thought of too is in your gatherings with small group or even in those those small gatherings of twos and threes that we just challenge you guys, have this be a part of um, how you guys meet, that there would be a time where you guys would pray for those in authority that I think it's easy to do this now because it's an election year, but even post-election when it's a non-election year that this would be part of kind of the constitution of when we gather, that we would bless those in authority. So thank you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of this podcast. We'll talk to you guys soon. Oh, yeah.